Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of American Liberty. This is your host, Kevin Wormholt. Thanks again for tuning in. I really love it that you guys keep tuning in. You guys keep motivating me to do some more stuff, interview more people, because our numbers keep doubling. Thank you very much once again. Today's episode, big episode, we have a presidential candidate who is seeking the libertarian line for president. That's right, I said that, for president. Dan, taxationist, Steph Berman joins me today. We had a great long interview. Listen, um, once again, like I always think these interviews are going to go like 30 to like 40 minutes and then they go over an hour um, because like the conversation's just good. Like we have a lot of stuff to talk about. And the problem, if you talk to a Democrat and a Republican right now, is there you can pretty much get everything in about 15 minutes. Uh, the other side is evil. The other side hates you. The other side is not going to do anything for you. They um, want little children to die in the street. Uh, they want uh, you have no health care. I mean, that's basically all you hear. Um, but when you have a libertarian candidate that actually has to uh, has an actual plan and has everything laid out, uh, these go over an hour long. So sorry, but uh, we're just informing you uh, on what you, you know, we want informative voters is basically the key. And libertarian candidates are the third option. People forget about that. So Dan, taxationist Deb Berman joined me. It was a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. First, let me just remind you before we get to the episode to go to the Facebook page at American Liberty Podcast. Like the page. Go to our Twitter handle, which is the new Twitter handle, at American Liber 1-1. I don't know. That's what Twitter gives me. I mean, I, I must be the 11th person trying to do an American Liberty Podcast Twitter handle. Um, American L-I-B-E-R-1-1. That is the new Twitter handle. You can go to my Twitter handle, at Kev Wormhold, and just find it and then follow me from there. Uh, but all the live streaming, everything that happens with this show will for now happen on that. I've been trying to follow everybody that follows me currently. Join me on that Twitter handle as well. Um, I also brought on someone on board to help me out with social media, and they will take care of that and make that the best Twitter handle in the country. Uh, so... Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to give you Dan, taxationist Death Berman. Taxationist Death Berman, how are you? Thank you for joining me on America. How's it going? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Man, I got to ask, um, ta taxationist Death, is that your real middle name? Did you change so your middle name? Well, that depends on who you ask. I mean, if you ask somebody who works for the government, no, it's not. But they have their own set of rules. It's kind of like that's the my 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 uh, given middle name is my slave name almost. Um, if you go back in history, what an actual name is like, you never used to need to ask government for permission to change your name. You would just declare it. You'd use it in public, and everybody would know you as that. Um, and in fact, in other languages, like uh, in Spanish, you don't refer to somebody as their name. You ask, uh, what do we call you? And that's kind of like a difference from an actual name. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of intricacy into that. But I changed it by declaration, not by petitioning a court, uh, because I, I don't believe free men need to ask for permission to change our names. And I think that's a pretty good explanation. I guess if you want to... That falls into the libertarian idea. Do what you want as long as you don't hurt anybody or force anybody to feel the way you do. So right. it is your given right to do so. And that, that's a good that's a good way to put it. I like that. Uh, the hat. Taxation is theft. You wear it everywhere you go. <laughs> Just um, about, yeah. Yeah. So that is like your uh, – that's what you're known for, your staple. That That's actually great advertising. I mean your point is taxation is theft. Yeah. 
how did you what, at what point did you decide to put that together and you know and, it was uh, so so around um I started hating taxes, I don't know how many years ago, and that kind of got me into the tax honesty movement, which got me to the Republicans, which I didn't like. And then that, then I ended up going with the Libertarians because I felt that that was where the whole taxationist theft movement was, That like that's where the future was gonna be. Um, and then fast forward uh, to 2016, um, the national convention, I was, you know, I was really kind of disappointed what was going on there and how we were selecting our nomination for president. And I started asking everybody, is taxation theft? And I, it was like clearly divided 50-50 um, almost. Um, half were saying, yes, it is theft. Half were saying, no, it's not. And so I was like, man, the next convention that comes around, I'm just going to make the biggest statement I possibly can that taxation is theft. So I had, um, I had yard signs. I had this huge table set up. I had flags, beach towels, hats, um, T-shirts, everything. Uh, and this was just kind of like, the icing on the cake. I gotta be honest. Nobody likes taxes at all. <laughs> Any, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian. Nobody. Nobody likes, likes paying them. No. They like receiving. They like receiving benefits from it, but nobody likes paying them. Right. Now, you mentioned the presidential selection in 2016 that you didn't like the process. Something right. that I brought up to other candidates uh, through the Libertarian Party, even though I had Alex Merced on, and I even asked him. I said. Do you think the Libertarian Party is a little bit behind when getting out there to, you know, put up a good fight against the other two major parties to say, hey, you know, we're a legit party. We're here to actually make a difference. I just feel like that there's always a little bit of lag. Um, personally, what I think is that it waits too long to get into these presidential races um, to be, you know, uh, mainstream, if you want to put it that way. Right. Uh, what is what is your issue with the way that we yeah. select presidential candidates? So you know, it, it was really it was really difficult. I mean, a lot of people voted for Gary Johnson just because he was kind of the safe choice. Um, and to me, uh, that that wasn't really very smart because, you know, we're and nothing. I, and at that time, I didn't even have anything against Gary Johnson. I was I was actually working on McAfee's campaign, um, but I liked McAfee's message because it was it was bigger and bolder. And, you know, even though yeah, sure. Maybe he had less of a chance to to get support from existing Democrats or Republicans because he was so radical. It was more the libertarian message than than kind of what Gary Johnson was kind of like a watered down version of it. Um, now, what really got me with Gary Johnson was that, um, well, so a lot of people voted for him because it was it was the safe choice. And then there was a lot of this confusion going on in there. Well, I have to vote for this guy because if he doesn't get the votes, then Austin Peterson might get some of the votes. And, you know, there's some of this going on. Well, I don't want this other guy to win, you know, all that, which is the same stuff we see. You know, it's the spoiler effect that we see in the in the general election with, you know, Democrats and Republicans both saying, I won't vote for a libertarian because I don't want, you know, I don't want Hillary to win. I don't want Trump to win. Um, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing. And now we have that own that same process within our own party. Um, so one thing I actually want to advocate for in the 2020 um, convention is to move to either ranked choice voting or to uh, approval voting, uh, because I think this gives everybody a much better chance to actually voice their opinion without these like spoiler effects of, you know, of, of trying to get like every single voter into trying to, you know, game the system in order to get what they want. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's a few different issues um, and, and that's kind of, you know, and one of them is just, you know, blind support for the party. I hear a lot of people that are like, yeah, we just need to support every single down ballot candidate. 
And as much as I like uh, support, and I, I was part of, you know, McAfee did this thing where he was gonna he was gonna set up websites for free for all the down ballot candidates, um, and I was actually uh, the web developer doing that. So I actually helped set up dozens of candidates' uh, websites, and these were these were you know everything from town council to to uh, state congress and everything. Um, and, and we provided a lot of support and these were some great candidates, but at the same time, there are a lot of candidates who don't really get libertarianism and nothing bad against them. They're great people, but they don't really understand the philosophy yet. So they're not really going to represent it. And I don't feel that we should just blindly say, oh, this guy's a libertarian. Like, yeah, what if they're a communist? Um, what if they're a communist who likes, you know, the idea of legalizing weed? So they join the libertarian party and they're a one issue person. And now they run, want to run as a candidate to represent the, the platform. Uh, to me, that's not really smart business. So, um, you know, there, there's a few things that I, I think everybody kind of needs to think a little bit more rationally about before we start acting. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I, I don't know. That's that's kind of my opinion on that. So uh, a couple of things that you brought up that I want to just touch on. Um, you talked about the platform, like, you know, uh, you don't want a communist uh, who wants to legalize marijuana, you know, take that one issue and run as a libertarian and say, oh, OK, he's a great libertarian candidate when he's really not. Uh, for example, uh, the CEO of Starbucks at one time, uh, Schultz, uh, everybody was saying, why don't we have him? Because there was some talk and I was reading some articles where the Libertarian Party was, was considering him as the a candidate, potential candidate for the Libertarian Party. I said, the guy hates guns. The guy's not a Libertarian whatsoever. Right. He's never been part of the Libertarian Party. He wanted to run independent. But there was a lot of chatter saying the Libertarian Party might seek to see if he's interested in running. Um, I think that's because of two things. Uh, one, there's an image ish issue that I think like they have to look like the Donald Trump presidential right. look, uh, business look, you know, attire. Uh, and the balanced platform. The platform of the Libertarian Party is very basic and very simple. It's it's not a hard thing to comprehend. And when you talk to most people, most people will agree with those principles. That, yeah, that sounds really good. But I'm a Democrat. But I'm a Republican because I can't align with certain issues. So the platform in itself, the way it is, I think is a good platform, period. You don't need to stray off from it. And you don't need to make it so complicated like the other parties do. Um, right. What, did you hear the same thing about this? Uh, the yeah, I mean, Starbucks. I mean, why why would we want somebody like that? Now, another person that you see a lot of chatter is Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard right. is running, and a lot of people say, "Wow, she's pretty because of her military interventionist policies." But she's for big government programs, so right. that's not the Libertarian Party. So. Where? Right, and I think a lot of the messages that she brings out, she is very libertarian in some ways. Like I think she's she's pro gay rights, um, she's pro cannabis legalization. I, I think um, mm -hmm. she's very much in favor of making peace with other countries instead of going to war with them. Um, there are a lot of great things to say about her, um, but yeah, there are those things that are like, yeah, but what what are you going to do about taxing and spending? How many programs are you going to cut? That sort of thing. Right. Um, and, and I think you know that's that's. Those are the things that we need to look at. And, you know, you're, you're right about like the, the Starbucks CEO. Um, there was uh, 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 Patrick Byrne, uh, the, the CEO from uh, Overstock, who, um, you know, I've they say he's, name. yeah, he's, they, they were, I, I, there was some, you know, chatter about whether or not he, uh, he was going to run or whether they could recruit him um, or draft him. 
uh, which, you know, of course, most libertarians are against the draft in general. This, but this is not it, a baseball team. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but it's it's you know, it's uh, and, and I met him and, you know, he, he seems very libertarian, uh, but he's he's for UBI. So there's kind of like, OK, that's not that's not very libertarian. So, you know, and and, you know, again, like I don't I'm not trying to be a purist, but a UBI is kind of a big deal. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, how, how are you going to fund that? That's going to be a lot of taxes. Um, so I, you know, I think you're right. And, and I think that was kind of the Gary Johnson effect. One of the reasons that everybody liked him was he's, he's going to be really, he's, he's an ex governor, which is, you know, he's got a great resume. Um, he's got a lot of connections, so he's going to be able to raise a lot of money. Um, and yes, that's all great. But at the same time, like, what does that really matter if that message isn't really coming across and, you know, not to say he's a bad libertarian, cause I, I, I've been accused of, of dissing him too much. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and I, I haven't really intended to do that. But if you look at like someone like um, uh, what's her name? Uh, I think it's Marianne Williamson, who's running as a Democrat. Yes. She was able to raise enough money. And I remember seeing her first fundraiser video and it was very simple. And it was just like, yeah, I'm not taking money from big corporations. I really depend on your little donations. And she was running as a Democrat and she's she's a book author. So she's got like a, a little career history behind her. But I mean, she hasn't run a state government. She's uh, she's not a billionaire like Trump. Um, she's she hasn't been a state prosecutor. I don't think she's had any jobs in government. And somehow she's able to raise enough money and and get into um, into these Democratic debates, which is a big deal because they have a, you know, a pretty high bar for qualifying for those, um, even though they had, you know, 20 people qualify. But it's, you know, if you compare her to someone like maybe Larry Sharp, I think Larry Sharp is probably better qualified than she is. But at the same time, you don't see CBS and NBC and everybody else giving Larry Sharp that kind of attention. So I think, yes, having the having the image and having the resources does help a little bit. But I think at the same time, that's like that's not what's going to get you across the finish line. There, there's a much bigger fight that we have to fight here. And I think something else that has to be brought up is that these politicians that are in charge right now, Republican and Democrats, okay, not saying everyone is bad because I, I don't want to smear everybody with a big, broad brush, but for the most part, they are embedded career politicians. They've never done anything else but politics. Right. Uh, another thing is I believe there's way too many lawyers in government because yeah. there's so much. that's what creates bureaucracy and paperwork and BS, and they're always trying to reinvent the wheel. So I, you know... We need more people because Congress, for instance, is supposed to be representative of the pop population within this district and be for the people, by the people, representing their best interests because they're just like everybody else from the neighborhood. A lot of times it doesn't happen that way anymore. These are all right. career politicians. Uh, I've always been uh, an advocate for term limits in Congress and the Senate because that is, to me, more corrupt than the fact that you have a president, you're only allowed to have two terms, but a senator and congressman could be there for life. I think that's insane. Um, right. But where I'm going with that is the requirement to be a, a have experience in government should not be a qualification to be president, or do you think otherwise? Like, I, I mean, I think uh, not necessarily in government, but I think some sort of leadership and organization, um, yes. Like, okay. you know, you, there, there are, you know, a, a thousand different government bureaucracies that, you know, of course, we do want to just get rid of most of them. But to to be able to look at an organization that employs a lot of people, especially I think the federal government employs two million people or maybe that's uh, I'm, that might be all government um, at, at all levels. But it's a lot of people. And so to be able to manage that um, and to be able to know how to delegate, how to organize um, 
you know, how to how to run and how to be able to see, OK, if we make this change over here, what are all the causes and effects that are going to happen from that? Um, you know, I, I think that's a really important part of it. You know, you wouldn't want somebody who's just, you know, not to knock baristas, but somebody, you know, who's just a barista like like maybe AOC um, to come in and say, I'm going to be I'm going to be president and I know about all these things. You want somebody who's who's who and understands them well, at least who's been following the news, following, the, you know, understanding things, understanding why the, the collapse happened in 2008, understanding why the economy is going where it's going. Um, you know, I, I think there is some importance to that. But having having an actual career in government, I, I think, is like that itself should not be de facto, you know, whether or not somebody should get in. Uh, you mentioned the big size of government employees. So you would have to manage those employees. Right. I just want to point out uh, government doesn't create anything and they don't sell anything. Right. So what the hell they need all those employees for? So <laughs> maybe if we could yeah, get some well, of those, you know. <laughs> right. And you know, day one, I plan to fire a lot of them. So, um, so, so watch out. And of course, that's going to hurt me in the polls. But um, you know, it's it's really see. This is the thing that we need to understand. Um, when we get rid of these jobs, other jobs are going to be created. Um, that's that's the reality. Like everybody here is like, oh, people are going to lose their jobs from government. It's like the government's not there to create jobs. And if ever like. What, what kind of world will we live in if every single person in the country worked for the government? Like, we've got too many employees. We need to downsize the government and everybody. That that actually is going to create more jobs because other people are going to be able to create new businesses with less bureaucracy. Um, and, and there will be more jobs available. So it's it's not something we need to be afraid of, which is I think a lot of the propaganda that's out there from, from left and the right is be afraid of, of the change from the other side. And the reality is we need to embrace change however it comes because this this the world, this country is, you know, it's a big dynamic system that you can't just come in and control it. That's like trying to change the tides. Well, that's something that, you know, fear is always a tactic that is used. They right. always want to scare you into a new thing and then you can't get rid of the program. Like, for instance, the TSA. Mm -hmm. That is a that is something that look, security is important. I'm not saying we should have no security and free entry into the airport, but that's something that could be handled at the local and state level. The federal right. government doesn't have to. Or even non-government. I mean, we had like it wasn't a government operation until until 9-11 when they took over. Like why? And, and that's a that's a great point right there. All of those TSA employees, you could easily fire them day one. And then what's going to happen? The airports aren't going to shut down. They're going to they're going to um, they're going to hire a private security firm and say, oh, well, we need to hire a bunch of employees. Why not hire all the TSA employees that are already trained on all the equipment that's right there? Um, like it's it's like, OK, so you're firing from from the government, but they're immediately hired back into a private organization. Um, it, you know, it, it makes it it's really common sense if you think about it. Could it be done in like a transfer kind of deal, like to where? Because yeah, some sure. people like, might, some people would be like, "Oh, what the hell, this guy?" Right. <laughs> like, if there's a like, listen, we need to weed wean people off of government, little by little. Like, you need to start transferring over to other programs to privatizing things because government is too big as it is, and it's only going to get bigger with all these other social right. programs that we're going to get into in a little bit. That. It is unsustainable long term. Eventually, you're going to run out of other people's money. Um, right. So, and that's gonna... the, the thing about TSA too is like you look at the government shutdown, and it's like okay, so Congress and the president got in a fight over the budget, and the TSA was had to work unpaid because of that. 
if the TSA was a separate entity, that wouldn't have been an issue. They would have continued to get paid because I was still like during the shutdown, I was still buying plane tickets. I was still getting on a plane. The employees were still there. I was still giving them money when I when I purchased my plane ticket. Right. They were actually like work without pay. Yeah. And it's like if if they were not part of this big, massive uh, monstrosity of federal government, like they would have been fine on their own. Government could have shut down and they would have still been paid because it was it comes out of a separate treasury. Right. It, um, it, it's it's very large. And it, at least we it, people, I think, need to embrace the idea that we need to stop the growth right now before because we are at 22 trillion in debt right now, plus 125 plus trillion unfunded liabilities. That's stuff that we haven't even printed money for yet. It's not going away. I mean, if I ran up right. a credit card bill and didn't pay my bills, what happens? They shut me down. Government yeah. just decides to take more of your money. And there's no, it, we need to stop the growth. And if we keep electing Democrats and Republicans, it's not going anywhere. Both have a spending problem. Both have a problem with growth. The Republican Party was supposed to be the party of conservative. The Tea Party movement was supposed to rein in some of the spending. The Tea Party movement has died. The Republican Party is just as uh, spend crazy as the Democratic Party. So right. they just that's want why, different stuff. That's <laughs> why, yeah, they just want to spend their money on different things. Uh, right. They have different people backing them. That's all it is. And whoever wins the election, those guys make out. That's how it works. And that's why yep. I left that party. I left because I, I, I served in the military. I was deployed. I seen the waste and fraud and the BS. And I said, you know what? Enough's enough. I got to find somewhere else to go. And that's how I landed here. Um, <laughs> but um, voter IDs were just brought up recently. Uh by the president, he wants to implement the voter ID rules uh, to where one vote, one ID, you show your ID when you go to the voting booth, you sign the paper, you vote. I'm torn about the issue for a couple of reasons, but then uh, I would like to hear your opinion. What do you think about the voter ID? So uh, it, it's I'm, I'm kind of torn on that one, too, because for one, I don't think I should have to have an ID for anything. Um, and at the same time, like I understand, like, you know, as uh, you know, working in IT and understanding, you know, uh, information security and everything else, um, I understand how easily you can defraud a system if you don't have some sort of ID. Um, at the same time, like, you know, it's it's also interesting to see that, uh, OK, so you require I, an ID. So what what if somebody can get two or three different IDs, the same as they can get two or three different um, voter registrations and go to the polls and vote? Um, because as much as we like to think, oh, well, if you have an ID, you have to go through all sorts of processes to get that ID. Is it really true that that process is so secure that it prevents one person from getting two IDs or three IDs or different IDs in different states? Um, I'm actually registered to, to vote in two separate states right now. So if I had my ID and if I wanted to vote in the morning on President's Day, uh, you know, the presidential election and hop on a plane and fly from Texas to California, I could vote again or I could do a mail-in ballot. Um, you know, there are, and I don't do that for the record, but, um, you know, th there are so many bigger flaws in this system um, mm -hmm. than whether or not somebody's going to show an ID. We have the electronic ballot system, which which can totally be hacked. Um, and, you know, whether whether we move to something that's blockchain based or whether we move to something where you get an actual receipt and there's a public ledger, blockchain or not, you know, some sort of system like that. So many people want to bring back paper ballots, um, you know, because they don't trust the computers. But the reality is that's 
just as bad as the computers because at the end of the end of the day you know you get you get all your all your votes counted in who's actually counting them lots of different people um right. are they trustworthy you know there's so many problems and so i think we should look at uh th this is the way i approach any problem like when there's when there's a leak let's say there's you've got a bucket full of water and it's leaking I don't go for the little holes and try to plug the little holes. I try to plug the big holes first. And to me, that's the that's the actual way that we collect and count the votes. And I think that's a much bigger problem that we need to solve before we try to figure out, you know, whether or not someone should require an ID. Russia, 100% try to get involved in our election. I have to say, I'm pretty sure that we have done the same thing to other countries because we like to have Absolutely. our hands in who gets elected. So we're a bunch of hypocrites. But... Um, they they did not change any actual votes, so we are told. My question to you is, how do we secure the voting system to prevent Russia from hacking or China, anybody, from changing the election in their favor? How, how do we protect that? Is blockchain well, a little... Uh, uh, no, I mean, blockchain is not going to solve that problem, but I think we really need to look at what the problem is and, and determine if it is a problem that needs to be solved in the first place, because if it's, you know, if it's something like, okay, Russia is sending spies here and they're like, you know, doing, doing, they're, they're spreading lies and propaganda and doing all kinds of stuff to, to get people to behave a certain way. That's one thing. If they're posting memes and, and donating, donating money even to, to a particular candidate, um, I, that's, that's really kind of a gray area because like, why, why does it matter if somebody is supporting this candidate? Yes, it's money from outside of the country, but if you think about it, if, like ultimately at the end of the day let's say you have a candidate who who raises you know 10 billion dollars from russia and he starts campaigning um and he's telling everybody hey you know i'll be totally transparent i raised 10 billion dollars and it came from russia but here's my plan for america and he gives them the plan and everybody says i want to vote for this guy because i like this plan now he that means that america wants that plan it doesn't i don't i don't think it really matters if that money came from russia or not now there's another question of okay but what if what if he got that money from russia because they knew that wasn't really his plan that was just the plan that he sold america right. um and, and that's a completely different question but that's that goes back to the the point that the president really shouldn't have that much power to be able to do something that's that bad that if some foreign government installs a president here um, they're able to, you know, just completely turn the, the country upside down. Um, the, the president really should have very, very little power, so little power, as they say, that it doesn't matter who's elected. Um, and most of the power should be in Congress. And if the president starts doing something, this is something we really need to brush up on, how to impeach a president. If a president is doing something that's against what he said he was going to do, um, and, you know, let's say he's going to cut taxes and he starts raising taxes, that's an impeachable offense, and that's we need to practice impeaching people because we've only impeached one president since I've been alive, um, and that was over a blowjob in the White House. Um, that's like, okay, but what about what about like all the money that they're stealing from people and lies and everything else that they're lying about their policy? All these all these wars that they're doing, they're sending like our kids off to die in foreign wars so they can steal oil. They're they're importing drugs from other countries so that they can they can make money to fund illegal wars in other countries like what about all these things those are the real impeachable offenses and we should we like i mean man from day one i would be happy if everybody started sending impeachment notices to my office saying hey uh we saw that you did something you we, we saw you were thinking about raising a tax we're gonna impeach you if you do it um that that's really the sort of thing we should do we need to keep our president in check and not just like blindly say 
you know, yeah, well, he's 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 the guy I voted for. I don't care how bad he is or you know how bad of a thing he does. I'm going to support him anyway. We need to stop to stop doing that. This all, uh, you know, the um, there needs to be without question a balance between the president, Congress, and the judicial. There's initially supposed to be equally balanced all three branches of government. The executive orders has been something that. Presidents are using like, <laughs> like you know what? I don't like it. Yeah, I'm just going right. to sign an executive order and make it happen. It's done. Executive orders should not be as powerful as they are. Would that be something? Would you ever sign an executive order? And would you? Yeah, I mean, like they have a purpose. It's, I mean, it's really like you know that's the point of the executive, the head of the executive branch, is to give orders to everybody below him. So. So there's that. But at the same time, he is supposed to operate within the laws that were written by Congress. So if he's ordering, you know, if he's declaring a state of emergency so he can get a wall, if he's saying, you know, oh, we need this new agency. So and Congress won't give me the money. So I'm going to make an executive order. Um, you know, that that type of thing is absolutely wrong. Um, but if it's you know, if it's something like, you know, Congress declares war and and the president wants to issue uh, an executive order to actually start that war then you know that's that's a different thing so but you're you're absolutely right that power has been completely abused and it's been used to write laws and change laws and everything else um and, and do all kinds of things that are illegal and unconstitutional and then the judiciary comes along and and you know some way shape or form either doesn't want to hear the case or says like ah eh, we'll let it slide um so i i think there's there's a lot but going back to the same thing like you know, as I said, the president shouldn't have that much power. The The entire government shouldn't have that much power. Um, you know, that's the reality of it. And, you know, this, this is the same thing that, that libertarians are always talking about is we shouldn't have a DEA. We shouldn't have um, uh, an FBI. We shouldn't have a CIA. We shouldn't have like all these organizations that are there. Um, the, the Constitution was written to be very, very, very small. And it was it was not uh, written so that, you know, it, it was written in a way that, you know, 99% of America could go about living their entire lives without ever having one interaction with the federal government. And that's completely like what we've gotten away from. Well, I think the CIA, um, mentioning them, the uh, spying and intelligence agencies have so much power that it's almost scary to think that they're even more powerful than the president and government in right. general because they hold all the secrets, all the information. They're going through your phone. They're looking through, you know, they really do spy on our own people. It's been proven, you know, with, uh, yeah. you know, Snowden and uh, Julian Assange, like all these things have come out and they are held unchecked. What would you do about the uh, CIA? I mean, well, here's the thing. If there was to be an libertarian president to get elected, and that would be you, wouldn't it be dangerous for you to even approach that idea? <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be actually. Um, <laughs> but you know, so how do how do you how do you resolve the unchecked CIA? It's it, that's that's a really great question. Um, the the first thing I think we need to do is start downsizing them. Um, you know, there's we we need to do a lot of investigation into into what they are and what they're doing the same as as needed to be done with the NSA and of course you know this is how you know we heard from um uh what's his name uh the governor of Montana um yeah the wrestler uh oh um uh, from predator <laughs> what the heck's that yeah. 
uh, Ventura, Ventura. Ventura, Jesse Ventura. Yes. So, you know, he said when he was elected to, to um, governor, he was actually taken down by, I think it was the CIA. He was hooked up to a polygraph and they asked him all these questions and basically asked if he was going to cooperate, you know, blah, 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 with all their stuff, um, which is really interesting. And, and I would expect the same thing. Like, you know, if, if I'm elected, I'm going to be questioned by all of the intelligence agencies as if they're they're vetting me to see if I'm qualified to hold a position that I was just elected to by an agency that really has no constitutional authority to even exist. Um, and, and that's probably what's going what's gonna to happen. And they're probably going to try to bully me into saying, you know, hey, do this and do that, which I think, you know, we see a lot of what Trump is doing. And, you know, Trump's he's had a lot of experience in international trade, but not so much in international war. So you have to ask, um, you know, especially as we're continuing all these wars, does he actually make these decisions or does, you know, the four star general come in and say, yeah, well, uh, here's what we want to do. Here's the information that we've gathered to back up this plan. Um, we just have to you just have to sign the order and we'll go take care of it. And you should do this. And if you don't, you're un-American and, and you should be impeached. Like who knows? Or, or, you know, and if you don't, you'll end up like Kennedy. Who knows what kind of threats they're making? But I don't think Trump is really, you know, he, he's not really pulling these strings. He's not he's not the one deciding, hey, we need to drop 2000 bombs every year. Um, in the Middle East, he's I don't think he really has an interest in that. But you have the military arm of the government who absolutely does have an interest in that. And they have an interest, a financial interest to sell more bombs and guns and everything else. Um, and, and, you know, but here, here's the thing, like we can we can. We can kind of like guess about what's going on. And, you know, we know a little bit from what from what came out of Snowden. Um, but the reality is. We don't know anything at all. Like we, I, I get asked these questions all the time. What are we going to do about foreign affairs and everything else um, based on information that we've seen on TV that came from the government, that came from the White House? Oh, there's a there's an Al Qaeda training base over here. There's um, ISIS over here. Not to say that they don't exist, but um, can, can we really trust the information that we're getting um, compared to what the president is getting? Is the president really telling us all of it? Um, is the CIA telling him all of it? Um, you know, I, I think... I, I think, you know, uh, having a libertarian president and seeing that type of transparency into what's actually going on and actually looking into how these systems are operating, I, I think is really going to be eye opening for a lot of people. And I think it's it's really going to change things because I think, you know, just like everybody was in denial about the NSA being able to turn on your 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 laptop cameras and your cell phone cameras and listen in on your calls and GPS um, you everywhere you go. Like everyone was in denial about that. And then it's like, no, here's the actual papers. And then and then everyone was still in denial. And then came the confession and everybody was like, oh, well, OK, but it was for national security. Um, you know, there's still so much that I'm sure that, you know, that that has developed since Snowden left that we don't know about that they're still using against us. Um, and, and, you know, that's put really the first thing we place, have to do. They put other rules in place to ensure that. Right. Something like that doesn't happen again, that they're not caught like that again. Sure. Um, now, when Trump mentioned that he didn't trust the intelligence agency, he caught a lot of flack. They destroyed him for it. You don't trust your own intelligence. You'd rather trust, you know, in regards to Russia and the whole spying and uh, trying to influence the election. Um, should we trust our intelligence? I mean, where do we draw the line where we think we're getting good intelligence and false intelligence to sway us a certain way i mean you see this in any organization um especially really big organizations um that are that are broken into compartments they all have their own agendas um i mean you can look at a car company that manufactures different cars and you have you have like 
You might have a hybrid department that works on hybrid cars. You might have another department that works on the minivans and everything else. And they're, they're isolated. And they have completely different ideas of what they want to do. Um, and then they might have meetings where some of the some of the heads of engineering get together because uh, you know usually they'll share the same components. They'll share engines, transmissions, you know these sorts of things between different models of cars. They might get together and say, well, well, we wanted this design because it fits our needs. And then the other one says, well, we want these designs because it fits our needs. They're butting heads and they're saying, you know, we we can't agree. We can't agree on the same thing because we want what we want and they want what they want. Um, and I think when you have um, when you have intelligence agencies kind of doing the same thing and they have their goals and their needs, like, you know, people are willing to lie, cheat and steal. And especially when we're talking about the government who, you know, lies, cheats and steals just to get what it already has. Um, you know, I, I think there absolutely are going to be untrustworthy people. Does that mean everything that comes out of the government is a lie? No, of course not. Um, but we do need to really question that and we do need to really have a lot more transparency into what's going on, where the information's coming from, and what kind of agendas these people have that are that are trying to push this information on us. Because, you know, liar, what did I say? Statistics don't lie, but liars use statistics. Um, you know, you can you can have correct numbers in front of you, but uh, what's you know what's missing? What is what are you not seeing? What is the hidden agenda with that? And we see that all the time in the politics that are being pushed on us in in just in the public on how we should vote. I, I think one good quote that was used uh, during Reagan's administration was "trust but verify." We mm -hmm. need to trust but verify that the information's legit. And I feel like it's 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 may have been easier. 25, 30 years ago, but at this point, especially after 9-11, that they have so much power that that's going to be something that is going to be a challenge for anybody. Um, I want to move I want to move over to um, the growing uh, of socialism. We've elected four representatives into Congress that, you know, uh, the president likes to call the squad. Uh, obviously, they're socialist, uh, democratic socialists. They actually um, admit that they're democratic socialists. They're not afraid to say it. Uh, they are pushing a movement in this country towards socialism. Now, we've seen socialism fail countries all over the world. Communism, socialism, I feel, is like communism light, you know, like a lighter version right. of, uh, of communism. But they have this push, and it's catching on to the youth because here's the problem. We have too many people that are leaving college in a mass, massive debt that are paying off to the 50s, 60s, 70s. They're paying off the whole life, their college debt, which is something that is that is absolutely disgusting. The reason for that is because government has backed these federal loans, the federal loan program, okay, has allowed these universities to say, oh, the government's going to back it. I know I'm getting paid. I'm going to increase the rates. I'm going to pay everybody, hire more administrators, and everybody's going to get a big fat paycheck in retirement. So they've abused the policy, putting students at debt. It's not the students' fault. It's government's fault. But yet they're still drawn towards more government because they hear free, free college and free health care. That is unsustainable. What do right. we do to bring people to the idea that that is the wrong path to go, that the free market, that libertarianism is the right way to go, because of these certain principles, how do you make that pitch to these young these young people graduating college that are coming out voting for the Bernie Sanders socialist Andrew Yang free money thousand dollars a month right. mentality? How do you, how do you get rid of that? It's you know you first have to really understand why they think that way and why they're willing to accept 
that premise that, you know, somebody's just going to give them all this stuff. Um, we have to look at a, a lot of different things. We have to look at the propaganda that we get from high school where we're told, oh, if you don't graduate high school, you're going to get this amount of money. If you graduate high school, you're going to make this, you know, so blah, 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 go to go graduate, go to college, graduate, and this is how much money you're going to make. Um, and then they never really talk about like, well, yeah, if you go to college and become a doctor, you're going to make more money. But if you go to college and get a degree in liberal arts, you're probably not going to make that much money. Um, and so it really becomes a sales pitch for the colleges. And we have to we have to kind of unlearn that and realize that that all of that information that we've been fed is a lie. Now, at the same time, when you when you talk about socialists and why are people willing to accept this premise of like, hey, we need free stuff. It's not so much about somebody's willing to give us free stuff. They don't want to question that they're they're already in the, the mentality of we need free stuff because I need this. I need to go to college because I need to make, you know, because the cost of living is so high, I need to make this much money or else my life is good. like I, I'm going to be um, I'm going to have a miserable life. So I need to go to college and the end I need to be able to pay for college. And there's absolutely no way I can do that. So right off the bat, as soon as you graduate from high school, you're stuck into a position of I need free money or else my life is going to be miserable. And like, you know, you have to understand that this is really a survival position, right? Um, if, you know, as libertarians, I, I use this analogy all the time, libertarian hiking through the woods, there's a snowstorm that comes along and you're going to die out in there in, in the snow unless you find some shelter. You come across a cabin, um, it's empty. Do you break and enter? Breaking and entering is wrong, right? But you're going to die out if, if you don't go in, right? So you break and enter, you go in. Um, two days later, you're still stuck there. It's still snowing. You can't go out. You find some food. Do you eat it? That's stealing somebody's food, right? Who, where's this person? You don't know if they're coming back. Are you going to steal their food? Well, stealing is wrong, but are you going to do it? Yes, because you need to survive. So when we're in survival mode, even libertarians understand that, um, you know, there's, there is like a, a point of necessity where it's okay to do something. You can always pay to repair the guy's door that you had to kick in you can always repay them for the food that you had to eat you know no big deal it's not like you're taking the guy's house and running off with it uh, or stealing his car or something um but you know there's there's a there's an understanding that when you're in survival mode the rules of morality are kind of set aside because survival is is it's a human instinct right it's it's most important to everything um and when we look at common law and all, all sorts of things like this, we make excuses for, you know, for some crimes when there's a when there's a point of necessity there. And so when you look at, you know, going back to the socialists and you say, hey, these people are in survival mode because they're being told you're going to die of cancer in the next two years unless we institute this single payer health care or Medicaid for all. Um, that's that's the fact. And that well, that's what they're told is the fact right. but that's. That's not really the thing. And they don't even have cancer yet, but they're being they, you know, they've had this mindset in their head. Oh, my God, what if I get cancer tomorrow? And then, you know, it's like that's the thing. Um, you know, the the reality is that we once we understand that that's the, the mindset that they're in, we can understand like, OK, let's let's figure this out. First, we have to we have to um, uh, we have to speak to the fact that they have fear and we need to recognize that fear and we need to we need to calm, bring them down from that fear. Um, then we need to say, okay, look, I understand that these are the things that you need in order to have a successful, happy life. Let's see how we can get you those things. And so now, so now you're saying, okay, look, we're go we're actually willing to work with you and solve your problem, right? We're not coming at them like saying, no, you're a bad socialist and socialism is bad, and you're going to go to hell and you know burn with the devil, like you know all this stuff that a lot of the the capitalists will say to a socialist. 
Like, we don't do that. What we need to do is we need to say, look, we understand what your needs are, but let's see if there's another solution. And then you start looking at what the actual problem is. And as you explained, it's actually government. And when you start talking to these people and saying like, hey, so you realize if we got government out, the cost of college would actually come down really low. Your cost of living would actually come down really low. Your paycheck would almost double because you're not paying all these taxes. Um, and you'd have a lot of money left over. And when they, when they, you know, when you get the fear out of their head, you calm them down and say, let's talk about this rationally for a little bit. And they see all this. Now they're a little bit more willing to accept, oh, you're, you're kind of right. We need less government. Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of the journey that you have to take somebody through in order to, in order to get them off of, you know, the, the socialist rhetoric of, yeah, just give me everything for free. And it's, it's been working with this campaign. You mentioned uh, uh, something I want to touch on. The, the idea that you need to keep taxes with the taxes in colleges. Think about this, for example. If you allow people to keep more of their money by not taxing them so much, okay, they would be able to afford to go to college, afford better health care, private health care, that they could purchase better health care. That's why I know it's phony because the government is, takes your money and tells you they're going to give you something better. Just right, because right. they're going to give you something doesn't mean it's quality. But if they allowed you to keep your money, why can't you buy your own health care that's better? You get to choose it, and you have more of your money to spend. Government needs the money. That's why they created the Social Security program. Right. Social Security program was created at a time with the life expectancy of somebody who would retire. They wouldn't live that long. The government set up that program because they knew that people would die within a certain time frame. They before hedged they their collect. bets before they could collect all the money that they paid into the system, so the government was making out. Now you got people living into their 90s for the most. I mean, the, I think the life expectancy is in, in the 70s now or something. So um, people live in 90s, 100. You see people all the time on TVs. Birth is 110 today. Congratulations, you know. Right. So they're losing their bet. It runs out in 2034. There will be no more money in the Social Security for anybody. I pay into it. I max out. I ain't ever going to see a dime of that money because of this. And right. The system is is rigged in favor of the government, and there's been this dependency that we cannot seem to cut people off because they're so afraid. They have puts fear in your head. Look at Bernie. Every time he comes on stage, you know, I like to pick on Bernie because he just says free everything. I feel like he's the TurboTax commercial that you saw this year. You know, free, 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 free. You know, and he just that's all he says, free, free. Um, you can't give free anything. And he's right. put that fear in the head that I have to vote for him because I don't want to lose health care. I don't want to have, you know, yeah, you're going to get right. health care. It's going to be garbage care. I was in the VA system. That's government health care. took me nine months to get an appointment after coming back from Iraq. That's bullshit, okay? And you want to take that program that you can't even handle for veterans and put it to 325, 330 million people? You're insane. Right. It's never going to work. So I, th yeah. I just want to know how we could get people off that idea into the like because if you explain the libertarian platform it's getting the message i think to the people which is hardest right. yeah and i think we've done a really good job um with that in in my campaign because that's what you know that's one of the things that i saw we we um man i remember we had um when i first um met the libertarian party uh, it was actually because i i joined like i was on i was on uh meetup and I was like, let me see what kind of groups there are. 
Um, I just moved to San Antonio and I found one that was a libertarian Toastmasters group. So I went there and I went through a Toastmasters program. And, and one of the days, uh, you know, we we all were we we were assigned to give a speech on um, on how do you explain libertarianism to somebody uh, without making it sound like you want all the children to starve in the street, which is, you know, and, and it's like, you know, how do you tell people that? And right. Because that's, you know, that's the reality. Like, well, without taxes, how are we going to take care of the poor? That's one of that's like probably number two or three after how are we going to build the roads? Um, and, you know, the the reality is like so. So there's two things here, right? You have the welfare system, which, um, you know, government creates poverty by taxing everybody and taking away. I mean, think about it. You've, you've worked um, 30, 40, 50 years. You've you bought a house, you paid it off, you own it, you want to retire, but you still got to pay property tax. And the money that you've saved up, you want to buy food, you still got to pay tax on it. You want to grow food or, or, or um, get solar on your own land and not have any utilities and drill a, a well and, and pull up your own water or collect rainwater. Sorry, you're not allowed to do that. You got to pay taxes on it. Which is um, crazy. That would, that would alleviate a lot of problem of right. the power grid is like shot. Our infrastructure with the power yeah, grid. Yeah, why, why wouldn't they incentivize that? And so, so you have all these government programs and the government's always saying like, yeah, we're here to help you and do all these things, but like, no, you're making it more difficult for people to live. And this kind of goes into the socialism thing of, well, yeah, how are we gonna survive if government doesn't give us money to pay for these bills that we have to pay? And it's like, why, why are those bills so high in the first place? It's because the money, the government is taking money from you and now they're just gonna give you a little bit back. Um, and and so, you know, we, we have to address that. And then the healthcare system is completely different because it's, it's not about, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a different system because with healthcare, it's like, okay, you have a really expensive thing that you need to get if you, you know, let's say you develop diabetes or you have like an ongoing um, disease that you need treatment for over and over throughout the rest of your life. Um, you know, oh, well, government needs to give me money for that because it's really expensive. But government is the reason why it's expensive. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're, here's the thing. Government comes along. Healthcare is very cheap, right? Um, it, it costs like it costs like three to five dollars to manufacture a vial of insulin that sells for a hundred dollars in the United States. Why is it so expensive? Government comes along, makes all these rules, limiting competition, jacking up prices, protecting monopolies, and everything else to raise the prices up. Why? Because there are plenty of wealthy people who can afford the hundred dollars. Not everybody. Not happily. They they still complain about you know it's too expensive, but they can afford it. And then you have the other people who can't afford it. And then they're like, but what about me? And the government says, oh, well, since we're making so much money off of these wealthy people, we'll subsidize yours. We'll give you some money. So basically, you're forcing the wealthy to pay higher prices for everything else. And you're also forcing the poor to pay higher prices for everything else. Now, what does that mean? Well, why not just have the government take those profits and subsidize the, the people who don't have enough money for it? Well, because what happens when you do something that pisses the government off, like the red flag laws that we're talking about? And those already exist. I'm sure you know uh, with the New VA, if you, get caught, if you get caught with cannabis in your system, what happens to your B VA benefits? Um, what happens to what happens to your um, you know we have programs that are like oh you're not going to get food stamps anymore if you if you test positive for cannabis um, all all these there uh, red flag laws already exist in somebody you can't you can't buy guns anymore if you have cannabis in your system um, and that's just one there are all these things that you can do that you know you get caught up and do something I don't know you don't pay a traffic ticket or something that turns into a red flag and you don't get something else. Um, and so government is really creating more problems than it's solving. But of course, it's going around and saying, yeah, look at how much good we're doing because we jacked the price up on the health care, but we're helping people pay for it. 
um, it, it's stupid, and it's we need to get out of that that um, that train of thought. And when the cost of these things actually come down, you'll see there are plenty of private charities throwing money into like helping people get medication and healthcare and everything that they need. But if if somebody let's say they're let's say a charity is able to raise a million dollars and they can buy a million dollars worth of insulin, let's say, well, a million dollars is um, if it's if it's a hundred dollars, that's ten what ten thousand. I can't do math right now. That's what, 10,000 vials? But what happens if you get rid of all the government regulation and you say, okay, well, it costs only 3 to $5 to manufacture and you get rid of all the regulations, now it's only $10 per vial. Well, now instead of buying 10,000 vials, they're able to buy 100,000 vials with, without raising any additional money. So it's not just about getting the price down so that the wealthy can save more money. Um, or so that you know the poor who can't even afford it still can't afford it. It's no charities are going to be able to do more once you get government out of it and allow people to do more with their money. Well, red tape, red tape makes everything expensive, and that's what I mean about too many lawyers involved in government because right. they create all these write all these rules and regulations and you know create all these hoops for people to jump through. It's expensive. You have to pay people to read these ridiculous rules. Like you got to pay extra staff to go through everything right. and accountants and everything. So the system is rigged in favor of the government because the government doesn't, you know, the people who are making like big pharma, they help elect these people and their repayment is to keep things controlled in their favor to where they get right. all these, they get to make all the money. Um, that's another story. Uh, big pharma is another big problem. Um, the two party system has, Complete control of government. I think Bernie's the only real independent, uh, you know, that he has an independent next to his name in, in the Senate, and yet he's still running as a Democrat. That still baffles me. Um, <laughs> but uh, most people in this country right now are registered independent of any party. I think it's over 40-something percent of this country is now an independent registered voter. How, how do you get to those voters? Because that, that really makes the difference. The independent vote is always, you know, depending on which way they go during the election, um, that could really boost up your numbers. How do you reach out to those people? Is it using the idea that the Libertarian Party is about uh, individualism, free thought, uh, not being dictated by government? You know, because you're an independent person, you should be able to live your life as you want. Um, is that kind of the pitch that you go? How do you get independence on board? Kind of, but it's a little bit more difficult uh, than that uh, because here's the thing. Everybody's different. Everybody has different wants and needs. And so you really just need to address that. There are people who have health care needs that are, you know, they might be socialists, but they might be independents. They might even be Republicans. Um, you know, everybody's got different needs. And when you when you pitch a plan, so, you know, let's say you're a Republican who wants uh, who wants a solution to the health care plan. Um, if you pitch my plan, the end result is you get cheaper health care, um, better quality, more options, and lower taxes. And, you know, that kind of fits in with everything that they've ever wanted. If they're a Republican, they want lower taxes, they want less government, they want they want they still want to have their health care. It sounds great. You go and you pitch it to a Democrat. Well, okay, um, you're gonna get your health care. It's gonna be cheaper. It's gonna be cheaper than all of the money they're taking out of your paycheck. Um you're not going to have to rob anybody, so the Republicans aren't going to fight you to get this. So you, this is something you can actually get. Um, no one's going to stand in your way. Um, and and they get it, and they say, okay, yeah, this sounds great. And then you talk to some, you know, people who are independents who are usually just like, yeah, you know, just leave me alone and let me do my thing. 
um, a, a lot of them, um, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. What do you, you know, what do you want? What's your big issue? Is your big issue healthcare? Are you worried about uh, terrorism? Are you worried about immigration? Like, you know, what are you worried about? Um, and, you know, you, you kind of have to address all these points. But what, what my campaign is doing is, you know, we're trying to address all of these points in a way that basically says, OK, look, we have an immigration platform that's going to make the independents, the Democrats and the Republicans happy. There's no downside to it. Um, and, and that's really the thing. And when you look at all these plans that people are coming up with that do have a downside, it's always, you know, someone's getting ripped off. So somebody's going to hate it. You have you have Andrew Yang's UBI. You're going to have to tax the crap out of people to pay for that. So people are going to fight you on that. Bernie Sanders, he wants his health care plan, which is his plan is actually still going to put a lot of money in the one percent's pockets. Um, it's going to raise taxes on the middle class. And you're still not going to have the quality of health care that you could get in other countries. Um, and so, you know, it's it's there's a downside for a lot of people. But if you show them, hey, here's a better plan where there's a lot more upsides for anybody, then they're like, hey, that sounds great. Um, so it's it's really just that kind of thinking. Um, you know, if, and if you ask these programs, like, wait, why are there so many programs that have such a if, if there is a magic pill that's good for everybody? Why are there so many programs out there that are so bad for half of the country? Um, and and either benefit the other half a little bit. And the answer is, is it's just the people who stand to make massive, massive profits from it. You have, you know, the 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 big special interests, the big corporations that are that are lobbying um, uh, to, to get their special protection bills passed, you know, all these other things. If you get that out of the equation, there's actually a really easy way that we can all get along and we can all get what we want. And And that's the thing. And that's me. I'm not I'm not backed by some, you know, multi-billion dollar corporations. Um, and, you know, I don't have that incentive to try to make a ton of money. I my my incentive to go in here is to go in and solve all these problems that we've had where we're dividing the country and we're making everybody fight over the resources when really we have an abundance of resources and we really don't need to be fighting over them. Your campaign. Um, let's let's touch on that. Uh, Ruff Phillips is running a campaign together with a VP choice, mm -hmm. something that's usually different. We talked earlier about how the libertarian um, process, there's some flaws in the system, uh, you know, how we picked our candidates. As far as running a, a campaign like you are now, why haven't more people within the libertarian party run something like they're doing where it's like a team, you know, she already right. selected who her VP choice would be, you know, why is it still you know, everybody goes up on the day and just punches it out until the the uh, delegates select their candidate. Because, um, like, if you guys, uh, you know, had the team campaign together, you know, why, why haven't you chosen to do that? Sure. Or are you choosing to do that at some point? I, I mean, I think um, so. Here's the thing. I, I know everyone has different opinions about people. Um, and uh, it's it's really difficult for me to pick one person and say, hey, I want this to be my running mate, because no matter who I pick, um, you know, every they're going to have flaws and and everyone's going to say, like, yeah, we don't like that about that person. I have my own flaws that people don't like. One of them's the hat. Um, but but so here's the thing. Like when <laughs> which, I look, which, by the way, I saw you ran a poll the other day on that. Yeah. Hat. Uh, what what was the uh, final results on that? So the last time I checked it, the hat was it was like 55 percent. I ran I ran a poll on Twitter and one on on Facebook. And it was, okay. it was it, so it's it's almost half and half. But the hat's okay. still leading. <laughs> Um, so, and then stays. someone's yeah, and then and then everyone started saying, well, what if you lose the hat and grow a beard? Uh, and it, it turned into that kind of discussion. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny, but you know who 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 knows? I'll, I'm sure I'll take it off at some point. It does get a little uncomfortable after a while. Um, 
but uh, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, and, and then there's the big mystery of what am I hiding under there? Is it a huge brain or is it uh, male bottom, uh, male pattern baldness? Um, so you yeah. have hair. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can you can see some of it there. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, so um, so the campaign. So so here's the thing that I see. I I really like what what Kim is doing. Um, I really like uh, you know who she's running with, John. Um, I, I like Adam Kokesh. Uh, you know everybody, Arvin Vora, um, uh, Max Abramson. Like they've all got really great qualities to them. They're they're all very smart at certain things. Um, I hope I'm not missing anybody. Um, but you know, and, and here's the thing: like, if I get the nomination, I would love to have every single one of them on my campaign team, campaigning with me. That you know, so that we can say, look, um, when I get elected, uh, these people are are all coming with me to the White House. They're all specialized. Um, you know, they all have specialized knowledge in their own little area. Um, I have other people who aren't running who I'd like to bring with me as well, who are experts in. Um, in the tax honesty movement, in in the FDA and healthcare, you know all these other things. Like that's that's what it takes. It takes a real team because I I know the economics really well. Um, I you know I, I know a lot of the other areas pretty well. I know I know software and security and technology really well. Um, but you know it would be better if I had all these other people who were experts in their fields to to really help with this. Um, and so I don't want to say that these people are my enemies, which is if you look at the Democratic debates, that's kind of what they're doing. Um, what I want to say is, look, I might not agree with all of these people on everything, but they all have they all have really good strengths and we can use those. And they do really understand the libertarian philosophy. Now, that said, um, what you know, what we're doing in this in this campaign is we're all kind of off doing our own campaigning and we're all getting different audiences. We're all getting different people. Um, to see it's it's like we're not even in front of the same people fighting against each other we're all reaching out to new and different people different demographics and we're all teaching them about this thing called libertarianism which is really great because ultimately what that means is once one of us gets elected and then we come to if we come together uh, as a team under under my campaign or if any of the other candidates decide to do the same thing what happens is all of these people that we've all been out campaigning for separately now all come together and we have this massive effect. Or at the very least, we've all been out teaching teaching libertarianism and, and you know, free thinking and, and small government and taxation and stuff to everybody else so that whoever gets elected, even if it's not a libertarian president who gets elected, we at least now have a new generation of people who are coming in demanding less government. So we're going to be pressuring all of our senators and congressmen and presidents um, even if Trump gets reelected, if more people are are adopting this philosophy that less government is better and they're adopting some of these ideas, um, you know, I would be happy if if just one of my platforms got adopted by a Democrat or a Republican congressman and that made it um, and, and became law. Um, you know, that would be that would be amazing, even if I didn't get elected. So I, I think really that's kind of the big picture. And I think ultimately what all of us are doing is we're all helping each other out. Um, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily need a vice presidential candidate. Um, we'll, we'll, we can talk about that more once we once we get closer to the convention. Um, but, you know, ultimately, I think the, the party's going to make their their right choice this time because we have so many strong candidates who are out campaigning so early in the game um, to to show what we can actually do. Um, and, you know, that's I, I think that's really more important than, you know, whatever, you know, trying to trying to be like the other parties. 
and it's kind of like that. If I walk into a room and 100 people don't agree with me, but I can leave with one person agreeing with me, I did something. You, you changed somebody's mind. So I guess you guys are trying to chip away at the idea that uh, dependency on government is, you know, a right, like healthcare is a right, you know, that that less government is better and starting to change the mindset is what is important right, right now. Um, I want to finish up with, uh, so far we've seen a couple debates with the Democrats. Um, is there anybody in that party that stands a chance for liberty at all, or is that party pretty much completely socialist? Has it moved so far off that there's no hope? I think um, that's an... I mean, I think everybody's shown that they are um, socialist to some degree, uh, some some much more than others. Um, I I think, you know, to expect that somebody's going to come out of there and be a libertarian, um, you know, whether it's like Tulsi or or something like that, like, you know, she's not going to be 100% libertarian. Will she be 25% libertarian? Would that be better than any of the other Democrats? Would it be better than Trump? You know, those are, those are questions we can ask. Um, but... I, you know, I, I don't expect like, you know, a full, a full blown libertarian to come out of that party. And it's like that for a reason. And, and here's the other interesting thing. Um, if you look at Tulsi, if you look at Bernie Sanders, like they are not the party picks. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, like Bernie Sanders got screwed out of his nomination last time. And, you know, some people speculate that's what happened within the libertarian party. Even um, we saw the same thing in the Republican party with Ron Paul. Uh, you know, they have their picks and right. I think it's the leadership within the party and it's it's not so much about the votes and the polling and everything else. It's always the delegates and, and this sort of thing. So I, I think especially in the Democrat and Republican parties, it's really difficult to say that anybody that's that's not one of those extremes is going to come to the top at all just because I think they have their picks. And, you know, they're they're always really like I mean, why is Joe Biden even there? I think they're you know, they're I think the parties. um like they owe him something yeah like they're really pushing for him he's always kind of been there like you know whatever he's he's always contributed to the party so it's like yeah we're gonna give this to you i don't know um but you know that kind of stuff definitely goes on uh you know i've i've seen it with my own eyes um and it's like that's not the way you should be electing your leaders or your nominees um and uh but that's what happens so <laughs> what final, can you do about it final question so you are the libertarian nominee you're on stage with Donald Trump and the Democratic candidate, whoever that may be. Donald likes to create names for uh, his opponents. What name does he give you? You know, we had, uh, you know, Small Hands Rubio. We had, uh, you know, whoever he's up at the stage. What name do you think he's going to go after you? He's got something to do with I, your he, hat. He'd probably, yeah, he'd probably <laughs> go something with the hat if I, and, and of course this, this gets this is far into the future so will the hat will the hat still be around then who knows um but uh you know it's it, but here's an interesting thing about the hat um to people who like because some people take the hat really offensively um and you know they come out and, and especially some some trump supporters and it's like hey i can take the hat off but you can't change being an asshole so it's you know there's if he comes up with something like that believe me i can i can uh, I, I can hold it together um, but it's, you know, I, man, it's, it's really, that's kind of a weird question. Um, because <laughs> well, here's the thing. He, he gives like, everybody names. He's got to have something. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've been when I was a kid, I was I was bullied by being called like white boy because I I was I was a minority in the schools that I went to a lot of times. Um, I've been called so many names, but then I also grew up in Los Angeles where like it's um, uh, you know I I spent a lot of time working on in the film industry. Um, you know, the music industry, uh, where it's like, uh, the, the web and technology industry working with designers, creators, and all these other things. And, you know, they say in those industries, you have to have really thick skin because everybody is insulting you. It's like, everybody's a critic, right? Um, you know, everybody has a, has a name for something. Oh, that's garbage. That's trash. Fix this, do this. Like, you know, as worthless, I don't want it. Um, and so like, I've heard so much of that. It's like, uh, and insults kind of make me laugh at this point. Um, you know, well, it's thick, you got thick skin, and whatever he throws at you, it ain't gonna affect you. You're good. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I've been through so much of it. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll we'll see what he can come up with, but uh, I'm sure I can come up with something better. Mister Bad Man, Orange Man, that thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. Uh, how do we follow your campaign? How do people volunteer, get involved, look you up on? Uh, uh, you have a YouTube. You have a YouTube page. I saw. I, yep. I subscribed before the show, just so you know. Uh, I'm right. a subscriber, but I, everybody else subscribe. But uh, how do people follow you and get involved with your campaign? So uh, the campaign is at berman2020.com. Is b-e-h-r-m-a-n 2020.com. Um, and if you go there at the top, we actually have links to the Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, and YouTube pages. So you can go check all of those out from there. Um, and we also have an opt-in form and a donate form there. So if you want to help the campaign out, if you like what we're doing, um, we can really use a lot of donations. We're, we're actually we're spending a lot of money on online ads, which are getting videos in front of people who have never heard of libertarianism before. And they're like, hey, this sounds great. We're also setting up billboards in Texas now. So we're doing a lot of really great things to um, uh, you know, really make use of this money that's coming in and make sure that the, it's hitting the most number of people that we possibly can most efficiently. Um, because that's that's really what I think is most important about this. Whoever gets the nomination, this is going to help the you know advance this entire um, mentality of smaller government, more freedom, um, and everything else. So Berman2020.com, and it's got everything you need there. It's got everything about the platform, um, and there's a lot of different information there um, as far as uh, the healthcare plan, education plan, and everything else. I gotta say, um, I like the hat. Don't. Don't lose it yet. That's, <laughs> I think it's a great marketing because think yeah. about it. People recognize you based on that. And right now you're trying to grab the attention of the voter, of the people. Look how different Donald Trump was and he ended up winning. So right. you never know. Keep yeah, it, look I at the ridiculous going, thing man. that he's got on top of his head. Right. <laughs> it's, it's about the same color as the hat, you know, too, <laughs> yeah. you know, that uh, hair dye. Um, so uh, I want to thank you for coming on. And I just want to remind all the listeners um, to go to American Liberty uh, Podcast Facebook page, like the page, go to uh, the website, AmericanLibertyPodcast.com. It's up and running. And also go to the new YouTube channel and subscribe because we will put all these recordings. We have the video up now, and we get to see Dan, the taxation is theft. We get to see the hat. I know if you're listening on the audio version, you got to go to the video to watch them and see the hat. So please do that. Uh, thank you once again, Dan, for coming, and I can't wait Thanks to uh, see how your campaign goes. Awesome.